boom, boom, boom. Oh, hey, I'm recording now. <laughs> okay. I'll, hold on, I just stopped recording. Well, maybe it's like Casey says, fella ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. The one big soul that belongs to everybody. Then... Then what, Doc? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy. I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Me neither, Mom. Just something I've been thinking about. You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. From sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies. Provided by your hosts, Cody Stoffer, the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident. Oh yeah! All that's holy blue collar podcast. Ready for some accidental profundities? Ready for whatever might come out of our mouths? <laughs> it might be t- might be leftover turkey. Uh, not here, not here. We did something different. Oh, we did turkey, ham, and some uh, beef. Whoa! It was the meditarian Thanksgiving. <laughs> we had uh, beef fried beans. All right, I am Cody Stoffer. And I am Craig Morton. And we are on a season three, episode three. Three weeks weeks in in a row. row. Yeah, we really are squeezing in today's. We're getting close to the uh, end of the week. I believe that's what we call a streak, ladies and gentlemen. So here we are. Never been done in the history of podcasting. <laughs> Three weeks in a row. Yeah. Never I mean, by, by us anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you just got back from Thanksgiving. You were just driving from yep. someplace. McCall. Okay. McCall. The lovely shores of Payette Lake. No, we just met there because we rented a, you know, kind of a space. That That's cool. uh, nice, nice property. That, uh, yeah, it was nice. It was good. It snowed while we were there. So we got a little bit of the, well, we combined everything anyway. It was Thanksgiving on Thursday and Christmas for that side of the family on Friday and it snowed. So it was just like it was a little well, bit of it, Christmas. Was it, was it your side of the family or yep. coming yep. up from how? Okay. Yep. Yep. My side of the family, my mom, my dad, my sister and my nieces, my sister's boyfriend. And then of course me and my family. Yeah, all, all, fitting, all fitting in one house together. Yeah, it was a big, it's a three bedroom, but one bedroom was real big and it was full of bunks for the, for the kids. And, uh, and actually my sister stayed at a hotel, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good family time had by most. 
Yep, that's right. Well, she, you know, she was there for the good stuff, and then the sleeping part was just somewhere else. That's and true. we went, we went to Gold. Have you ever been to uh, Gold Four Hot Springs? No, I've never Close been to the hot springs out there. In fact, I've never been to the hot springs in Idaho. <sighs> I mean, there, there's so many. There's a lot of them. So I'm there's not sure where to start, really. Yeah. Well, that one's nice as well. I mean, it's uh, very well developed, and there, it's a privately owned. You know, they've turned it into a business, but it's still it's set in a very picturesque. And it was snowing, you know, as we were in the hot springs. It was awesome. It was cool. Well, several years ago, we had Christmas up there. Um, we had a, a place that fit um, with our daughter and son-in-law and um, just one other of our children. But it was, so there were only like, what, five of us adults and, and a baby and a dog. And uh, it was great. Yeah, it was gorgeous up there. Yeah, it was nice. Okay. Speaking of holidays and things. Yeah, we are working through our, and now moving forward. Moving forward. And we've Rolling. been talking about Advent and giving Advent resources. So we're on to week three. This is the joy week. Joy, week of joy. Week of joy. Uh, have you ever gotten to those uh, meaningful, haha, meaningful conversations about what's the difference between joy and happiness? Yes, of course, absolutely. I have. Have you? Which I, I have frequently. What What happens when you tell people when people tell you that joy and happiness are different? Well, usually we talk about the difference, essentially happiness being associated with external things, you know, things that are happening to me. Uh, so I'm happy when something good happens. Uh, you know, my team wins the Super Bowl or pulls off a big game or like somebody that I really care for, you know, compliments me. Okay. okay. Stuff so, like that. So external so, so what, stuff. So, so how's the joy different? Joy is more of a in these conversations ends up being more of an internal thing, something that I, such as a level that I have despite circumstances, something and where, that, where did, and where did that come from? There must be some abiding sense of peace that, that yes. So it connects to the week before peace. Okay. All right. So uh, where does that come from? This wholeness, the shalom <laughs> that we talked about in our, uh, the last podcast. Did that, is that just a part of you by nature? I mean, that's just part of your humanity and your creation? Ooh, that's a good question because... perhaps something happened to you. Well, that's a good question and because... your joy is nothing but happiness because it happened to you. But here's the thing. It could be no matter what. We're created, if you want to go back, we were created with something in us. So in that sense, sure, I guess that All happened. Right to us but it was something that if you believe in the image of god god breathing into us from the beginning of time that right. it's something that's inherent within us but we don't always know experience or are connected to it yeah i have lost that somewhere i like um, happiness better yeah you <laughs> like happiness? cool but that, that, I, I don't i don't i don't really make a big difference between the two i was okay. i was going to read read something i've got a book that i really really like and yeah. I like it because it, it, it's written by a monastery, by a group of monks. Yes. Okay. And their monasteries, uh, the monks of Newskeet, who are known for their dog training books. Mm. Oh. That, that's what their monastery does. They've got a great book about how to raise a puppy, uh, how to be your dog's best friend. Great, great guides for if you awesome. ever uh, have a new dog. Yeah. But they also, uh, writing out of the Eastern Orthodox tradition, wrote a beautiful book called The Spirit of Happiness, not, not Joy. Nope, happiness. That's what they went and, with. 
And I read this one about almost 10 years ago. And it really kind of got me thinking down a different path. Okay. Uh, what, and here's, here's just an extended quote. It takes a couple of minutes. For our part, we understand happiness as a deep, lasting, interior peace. It's mm. the one that comes only with the struggle to reach out and accept the will of God in our lives, one that demands of us faith, hope, and love upon which and through which we strive to elevate the, the quality of all human life. It is the same peace of which Jesus spoke, that same inner tranquility and serenity we see in him throughout his life. We think this is what human beings were created for, so that our lives become a knowing and loving service of God and each other in this world, which will be completed in the world to come. Happiness, then, is ultimately what this book is all about. So this is a great advertisement for this book. <laughs> it is about attaining happiness, true happiness, not only in the world to come, but in this world as well, yes. even in the midst of the worst suffering. I like that. Okay. So, that's good. Yeah. Okay. But uh, that's I, a, can, I can go with that. It's, it's a wonderful book. It's a meditation on, on the, their life together, but um, the spirit of happiness that pervades their communal living. Okay. I like that. So, so happiness and joy, I think, are synonyms. Okay. And I can go with that. <laughs> We just need to define those words. Sure. Yeah. Now, so you noticed something about the uh, texts for this week. If yeah, you're we, preaching along in the lectionary. The lectionary has a, has a great set of texts that speak of rejoicing, mm -hmm. and which seems normal. Uh, yeah, I mean, seems, sure. seems expected if you're going to have a, a joy week in, your, yes. in, in Advent. And um, yeah, so there's lots of stuff in scripture about rejoice in this and rejoice in that. And rejoicing seems to be a common theme. But one of the ones from the prophet uh, Zephaniah, it begins with rejoicing and talks about rejoicing. But it rejoices in the context of there's still suffering going on. Mm -hmm. uh, later on in the passage, it's, a, it's six verses from chapter three. And the last portion of the of the passage is still speaking of promise. It's rejoicing over what's yet to come. And it says, I will remove disaster from you. In fact, you're not there yet, right. but I'm going to get you out of this. I'll deal with all your oppressors mm. and I will gather the lame and I'll change their shame into praise. And I'll bring you home when I gather you. So it's about this pilgrimage people, these people on the move who are in the midst of oppression. Ooh. And the rejoicing for what's going to come, not for what they have presently. Oh, wow. And I that's think that's a, that's a powerful image. That is uh, a great image. And, and we still have, we have uh, Isaiah, who uh, pretty much just does a praise God kind of a thing. Because yeah, sure. he's, got, he's got this little song in, in Isaiah 12, um, and it's, it's a psalm of confidence. But the classic, I think, is from... Uh, uh, Philippians, which is rejoice in the Lord always, and right. I say again, rejoice. And so you get this joy theme that's really building up in you. Now, if you're like me, I like preaching on the gospel. So when you get with all these other lectionary readings done, you're oh, coming yes. up trying to preach. You must be thinking the gospel's going to be full of joy. Yeah, and yeah. Bubbling with happiness. You start off with, and John said to the crowds, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee the wrath to come. Whoa. Merry Christmas. Um, you know. <laughs> Happy Advent. And yeah. Joy to you, and you so, brood of vipers. And so we move uh, really into a very different uh, flavor. You know, the experience yeah. here is, is one of fire and strong words. Oh, man, that's crazy. Okay. I so think that's, that's really great to put joy yeah. in, in all that mix. 
That's right. Now that connects for me. So I will tell you, right, this last week I interviewed our interview for this episode. His name's Gavin Rogers. He's a pastor, associate pastor at United Methodist Church in Texas, Austin, Texas. And uh, his story is, I'm sorry, it's San Antonio, Texas, not Austin, Texas. But his story is that he works as an associate pastor of essentially social justice issues at the church where he's at. And he, he heads up their um, outreach and work with the homeless community. And he, I learned about him because I read an article about this pastor, this guy, Gavin Rogers. But you, you were reading? Yes, I was reading. We, 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 we people, we, people need to know we still read books. We don't just listen to podcasts. And no, we NPR. read a lot. We take in a lot of stuff. Anyway, I'm reading about him, and he, it's this pastor who decided rather than sit back and just listen to all the, the noise about the migrant caravan that was coming up, and we heard a lot more about it prior to the election, of course, than we have since, but whatever. We, uh, he decided, I want to go down there, find them, and I'm going to walk with them and learn about them because I've heard that they're scary and frightening and terrorists mixed in there and all this. They're going to come and steal all our money and jobs and all this stuff. But I want to know the truth. I want to find out who they really are. So he went down. He found them, connected with them. He had to use an interpreter because he, he doesn't really know much Spanish, but uh, he connected with them and journeyed. They invited him in to journey with them. And so I was able to interview him about it and he shared some of his stories. It's pretty good stuff. But I, you're, I struggled this last week. How am I going to connect this to joy if we're going to put this in our joy episode? And you pointing out the, the, just that interesting connection of joy that's happening in the circumstances. God journeying with these pilgrimage folks, taking them to a, a place where they're leaving behind their oppression, hopefully, to something better. So that's really hard is to be happy in a promise rather yeah. than the fulfillment of the promise. Right. Uh, I mean, that's what those texts, you know, speak toward. Yes. And, and maybe, maybe the, the, uh, the gospel passage is not so much, maybe, maybe it fits into this because perhaps there are people who, who are actually saying, don't, you, that promise isn't for you. Right. It's almost like there's establishing some kind of barrier or roadblock or border Right. Who gets to benefit from that promise? Almost yeah, maybe a wall. wall. Yeah, with maybe some concertina wire on it, and <laughs> and nice, and you know, maybe some people standing in the way. Hey, what one 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 thought or one question is? Well, how how long was he walking with them, and where did he join them? And yeah, so well, he mentions in there. I cannot remember. He he walked with them farther than he thought he was going to because the journey where they wanted to go, they were going to originally stop somewhere, and he mentions this in the story. But uh, they're like, no, I think we think if we keep going, because it's not just walking. That's one thing you need to understand. They do um, utilize some rides and different things along the way. A lot of them in the caravan also um, find truck drivers and things. And it's interesting. He'll tell you a little bit about an instance where they do get in on a truck and the truck driver decides, I think I can go further tonight. And so he ends up going a lot farther than he thought he was going to with these folks. So. Wow, so yeah. that's, that, that sounds like a good story. <laughs> yeah, so you all have to hear it. And, right. and so that, there it is. That's my setup for the interview. So we should, uh, yeah, let's listen to it. Uh, my guest is Gavin Rogers. And Gavin Rogers, you live in San Antonio, Texas, correct? I do. I work for Travis Park Methodist Church, which is a, a downtown church 
uh, right dab kind of near, the, right next to the Alamo. So yeah, Right on. I remember that place. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Alamo or my church, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just playing. Um, so, Gavin, you're an associate pastor. Um, give, us, give us a little bit of your background. Where did you go to seminary? Yeah, I went to Duke Divinity School about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, so I grew up Church of Christ uh, and mm. did that all the way all the way through college. Uh, but then when I was looking for seminaries, I got into Duke Divinity School, uh, had some good connections with some Methodist pastors. And my first job was actually with the Methodist Church, uh, but then later worked for the Baptist Church, then the Episcopal Church, and now back with the Methodist. So I'm a... Oh, wow. I'm kind of a, I'm a, a utility hitter and I work with the homeless uh, at my church. Oh, we have a huge ministry called Corazon and uh, that's like Spanish for heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, we serve maybe four or 500 homeless a week, various feeding opportunities to um, healthcare clinics, to showers, to closed closets, uh, dermatology clinics. ID recovery. So I'm the kind of pastoral liaison for that organization that, that still is, it, it also meets inside of our church building. And then I also do typical associate pastor work and I help, I help facilitate a group in San Antonio called pub theology, like PUB theology. And that's a big thing in San Antonio. It's kind of a continued group that continues to meet and that's become a very successful program. So I help uh, co-lead that. So. Mm, awesome. Okay. So you're, how long have you been in ministry? 10 years since seminary. So oh, okay. 10, I've, 10, 11 years. Okay. I've done full-time ministry in San Antonio for about 11 years. Okay. You're kind of a, so it's interesting because I grew up in a non-denominational church. I went to Multnomah Bible college and then I went to a restoration movement college and became a pastor at a restoration movement church. And now I'm a pastor at a United Methodist church. So something kind of similar church of christ uh okay yeah yeah the church of christ uh, how did you go is that's kind of a big swing to go from church of christ to umc isn't it not in my head i guess okay. in some not in not in some people's maybe some people's mind it is i <laughs> i i am not i'm a person who 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 thinks very very little about those differences i have my strong opinions and i work at a very progressive church but um like i'm about to go I'm about to go to, um, uh, hold on. Are you recording real fast? Yeah, it's okay. You're good. I, um, we were talking about the church of Christ. I, um, you know, I, I'm about to go speak at a church of Christ conference in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Um, you know, if they knew every belief I had, they might not like that, but, uh, really what I would speak about, about homelessness, about race issues, you know, those things pretty unite the moderate conservative liberal churches. I mean, when it comes to homelessness, I I don't really see a difference. We, some of our best volunteer churches are assembly of God churches or Pentecostal churches that come to Corazon ministry. They, they sometimes outserve our own church and we host the thing, you know? Um, So to me, you know, it's not really a, 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 an issue uh, if I was a head pastor, it probably would be more of an issue, sure, but sure. Um, it's it's never been my my thing. I, you know, especially with this um, immigration, 
you know, issue when I went down to the caravan, the far majority of people respected it, right? right. Um, only the probably extremes and more of the extreme right weren't buying into it, right? right. Most people, especially true faith-based people, you know, should support these immigrants, these migrants, because, um, you know, the Bible's pretty clear, uh, you know, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, obviously in the New Testament, but even the Old Testament texts, which I think are actually a clear. The most clear, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. If anybody says like, oh, I read Leviticus where it says to take in refugees and immigrants like your native born or your blood relative, and they say, but at the end of it, <laughs> you should expect a bunch of minutia. I would actually, I would say something more inappropriate, but we're on a, a podcast. <laughs> expect expect a load of mess at the end because it's it's not really uh, a theologically vague issue now there are some more theologically vague issues that the church debates about um however this one along with the poor uh the homeless the widow it's not i even i actually am surprised that people can actually debate it because It's like, I, I, I don't even want to debate because it's not necessarily up for discussion. You yeah, know? exactly. I, I understand. Okay, so the reason we're talking to you is you did. You, you went down and you joined the migrant caravan because you wanted to learn more about what was happening there. What was, walk me through that process, man. Like, did sure. you pick up one day and go, okay, I'm going to go down there? No, well, I am I kind of an adventurous spirit. I, mm-hmm. um, in 2012, I was working at a community center that was run by a Baptist church, Trinity Baptist church here in San Antonio. And they own a community center where they do different, obviously outreaches. There's a YMCA attached to it. And the homeless uh, kept coming into our community center, uh, trying to use the computer lab. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved how that was happening, but obviously people at the community center were very uh, concerned. So, I was like, I'm going to learn about homelessness. So for 40 days, I lived on the streets of San Antonio for Lent. For Lent. You gave up your home for Lent. I did. And uh, that was a very formative. That's really, to this day, why I'm involved in homeless ministry in San Antonio. That Mm. was not my goal. I wasn't thinking, oh, let me figure out how to get involved in homeless ministry. Uh, But acts of solidarity have no agenda. When you do an act of solidarity, you're kind of uh, uh, giving up all right to choose the like what happens in the future you you live in solidarity you walk in solidarity you're going to um respond to those circumstances kind of like an improv class sure and so that kind of that really influenced my life and so i've done other trips of solidarity to coptic uh, churches in egypt with a a methodist pastor at the time Uh, uh, her name is lorenza smith um and so we i've done this and so Recently, we've seen an uptick in migrant families coming through San Antonio at the Greyhound bus station. Hmm. And we have a group called the Interfaith Welcome Coalition that we're a part of that provides services and care packages for those traveling to their host homes or their family members waiting for trial. And they're leaving the detention centers from um, Dilly or Carnes and McAllen and Brownsville. Uh, and so they're coming through San Antonio and that's their first stop. And they could be going to Boston. They could be going to New York, Florida, Colorado. It's all over the place. And so they're obviously very confused about how to get there because they have about seven transfers on a Greyhound. You know, that's not 
considering bad weather or, you know, a broken down bus. Um, and so there's a group of people who really educate and to try their best to care for these families. And so they kept saying the last couple of weeks, they're, they're clearing out the, the detention centers. That's why we see an uptick in numbers per day because of the caravan, because of the caravan. And we didn't know if that was true or not. We still don't know if that's true, but I was like, well, I'm going to learn about this caravan. Everybody keeps mentioning it. And so I was talking to my pastor. I was like, I think this weekend could work well. I'm really glad it was the weekend I chose because I happened to fly into Mexico city the the exact day they were there. Oh, wow. And walked with them all the way or not walk, but traveled with them and and most sometimes walking traveled with them to um, Guadalajara, which is much farther than I thought I was going to (laughs) go. But, but it was, uh, it was an amazing journey. So it was really kind of to learn about the caravan, learn about the immigration issue from this side, the other side of the border. Yeah. Um, and, and it was funny enough, it, they, they ended up not going to Texas. We thought this caravan was going to Texas. When I flew down there, um, I still thought they were, were going to Texas. But when I was walking with them, uh, everybody was set on going to Tijuana, which is where they are now. Oh, wow. Okay. So when you got there, when you caught up with the caravan, were you just like, hey, I'm going to walk with you for a while? Or what did it take to in, you know, get in with the group? I really feel like it shouldn't be. It was really that I was with, wow. I was with somebody who spoke Spanish. It was one of my old friends in San Antonio, who's now a professor in near Mexico city. And so she and I were talking to people at the shelter in Mexico city, which they left that morning or the next morning uh, out of. Uh, so we honestly, people were very willing to talk with us. Mm. Um, and when I started joining the caravan, the first 24 hours I was walking among, and people probably didn't realize, even if I said I was a pastor, you could, you could easily see, maybe think I was a reporter. Right? Sure, right. I had my phone. I was interviewing yep. people, <laughs> taking photos. Um, and I did that for the first 24 hours. And that's what it felt like. It kind of felt like I was more of a reporter, which is, uh, I date somebody who's the senior reporter for a, a newspaper here in, in town. <laughs> so I was texting her like, oh my gosh, I feel like you. But, uh, <laughs> but not nearly as good at it. And uh, and that's what it felt like the first 24 hours. And then my, my translator had to go back to work. So I either had to either go back to the Mexico city and kind of hang around the shelters and learn more or continue on. And so I slept at that shelter about three hours North of, or where was I about an hour, three hours North of Mexico city. Um, and decided to start walking. So the next day I was by myself completely. And that's when uh, I hopped on this 18 wheeler, uh, and met the friends from Chulateca, Honduras. Uh, and really they embraced me in the way they allowed me to travel with them. We went wow. through some pretty intense ways and means of transportation that mm-hmm. the truck is obviously the most exciting, uh, pictures you see, <laughs> but I didn't take pictures of when we were jammed into dump trucks and we oh, wow. were, uh, traveling the back of cop cars, not cop cars, uh, police like trucks, like, sure. uh, um, and so that was, that was insane. And uh, they always embraced me. When I was on top of that 18-wheeler, they linked arms and crossed legs. And it was like a human pretzel to stay oh, safe. Wow. Um, and I'm an American in a, in a foreign land. Really no reason to be there. And, but they in, immediately loved that I was there. Actually, when, we, when I was traveling on that truck, we stopped at the next scheduled shelter. And all these other trucks that were transporting people were – people were getting off and walking down the hill to the shelter. 
and no one was leaving on my truck. And I was hmm. like, we're here. So I, I was climbing <laughs> off and saying bye. And they were like, well, we convinced our truck driver to go to the next shelter in Guadalajara. And I was oh, like, wow. that's, that's really far away. But they kept, they were, they all started chanting my name, like get back on the butt or get back <laughs> on the truck. So of course I can't be like, no. <laughs> so I climbed back on. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I knew we weren't going to make it to Guadalajara. We didn't make it to Guadalajara. It got dark and the truck mm -hmm. driver was like, hey, I'm done. <laughs> and we weren't even close. And so then the next 12 hours in the middle of the night, um, or the, you know, starting from like 4 PM to 4 AM, uh, the police and some nonprofit people made sure this abandoned group from the caravan got safely to the next shelter. And that's when I really bonded with those groups of people, uh, especially about 10 of them. Um, there's a great interview I did. It's just on Facebook live through a, a reporter in San Antonio. And she gets to interview those, those, my friends. And oh, wow. um, I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I would have jumped off that truck, That's right. you know? And so I'm really grateful I stayed on, even though it was an intense 12 hours. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I, and that's who I'm going to go see in Tijuana. The really, the only reason I'm going back is to really catch up with my friends. Mm. Um, I think the solution of what, you know, how the United Methodist church will respond and other faith, faith, faith based groups or even nonprofits, how they were, it's going to take a few weeks to figure out. Um, yeah. And so even when I was talking to the UMC office today in DC, they were asking me questions. I was like, Hey, I'm just going down to catch up with my friends. Like I'll learn, a, I'll learn a little bit, but my friends treated me with so much love. Like they, they handed me food when I didn't have any, they gave me water when I they didn't, mm. when I didn't have any. Um, when we were like jumping off the truck into the dump truck, people was kind of a mad rush to get to the dump truck. And they like made sure I was with them. And if I was a little bit behind, they would like wait and make sure I got on with them. So I wouldn't be split from them Oh wow! because they just really appreciated our friendship. And, uh, they FaceTime me all the time now. Like they all have various, I guess, WhatsApp, you know? Yeah. And, yep. uh, <laughs> and so we're in constant contact. I'll probably receive a message or something while we're on this. Day, oh yeah. So. That's cool. So I, I got to tell you, that's different than some of the images that I've, I've seen, you know, like some of the stories that I've, heard i mean and and that's probably why you went down to join because you were probably hearing and seeing some of the same things i'm hearing and seeing which is people sharing stories that aren't even their real stories but you know of violence and different things and trash sure. cities and things like that yeah so there are you know stories i mean the one i know of the most is right when the caravan uh or the early early group of the caravan got into Mexico. There was a little scuffle with police. Mm -hmm. um, however, uh, I spoke to police about that when I was down there and they were like, it was just a handful of people. And somebody on my Facebook uh, that actually I used to attend church with at a previous uh -oh. congregation posted these images and kind of mad at me for doing, for doing the, you know, this journey. And they posted some pictures of bloody police officers mm. and, um, you know, people throwing rocks. And I thought, huh, maybe that's from, you know, the Shoppas, you know, the early, the early part of the caravan. So then luckily some of my other friends on Facebook, you know, saw this and did, did a reverse, yep. reverse image search. And they, uh Oh, like they found out the picture was from like 2012. It was mm. from a student protest in Mexico. It had nothing to do with the caravan. And so even there's like Spiegel, there could be like, you know, 
little incidents in yeah. I mean it's really a big group the, of people, so yeah, and the police have the police in Mexico have told me over and over again how peaceful and how surprised mm. they even were. Um how easy it was to manage. They were kind of out in all force thinking, uh oh, this is gonna be a big deal. And they told me they've been surprised. Awesome. Uh, now I don't know if that's the same way in Tijuana. Tijuana's seen a little bit of of conflict because now they're there in Tijuana. All the other cities that were helping the caravan, they kind of knew they were moving through. So right. it's kind of easy to care yep. for them. Yep. Like, yep. hey, yep. yeah, sure. here's a banana. Oh, keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Tijuana has to deal with the brunt of it. So that sure. will also be another story. But the actual caravan and the people on the caravan, you see families. I mean, I have countless of photos of families pushing strollers fully. I mean, I have a great photo of, of a family asleep together. Uh, like kind of snuggled all together in a shelter, father, mm. you know, mother, three, four children, babies, infants. And so you see those, I saw so many more families and children than I was expected to, you know, see. Right. Uh, I mean, it was way more than I thought. So again, those images are not necessarily true. They're sprinkled in with a, a tad bit of truth just so they can yep. hang their hat on it. What shocked me, though, the most was when my friends posted this images aren't true, uh, and I posted that I met with the police, and even about the incident at hand was extremely small, like a that handful of people, like four or five, six people that really caused any kind of trouble, which we don't even have photos of because it wasn't even that big. That's why you have to make up photos. Right, right. Um, I thought the person was going to be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to take it down. <laughs> But they actually doubled down. They were like, still, I fully believe it. It's still communicating. It's still communicating the truth. And I was like, oh, like. That's where we okay. are, man. I know. Ugh. And so that's, that was the kind of shocking part of that, that little post experience is, yeah. is the Facebook trolls were out in full, for, full <laughs> force. Now, to be fair, they helped me at the same time. You know, the trolls that were like, hey, this is false, you know? <laughs> and so they were kind of going back and forth. I tried to play the moderate angle, but <laughs> now, now, you know, when it comes when it comes down but when it comes down to that blatant of a lie, right. I don't really have a choice but to say that's a bunch of garbage. You right. know? Yep. I mean, if you don't take it down, that's your deal, but we're not gonna just say it's true or um right. So that was kind of shocking to see people so blatantly, you know, I've posted things on Facebook where I've had to say like, I'm sorry, you know, and I've seen my other friends do it too, but yeah. just to st actually say like, I don't care. It's not true. I, I, that, I was just, that blows my mind. <laughs> I know. And I don't even know how to respond that to be as a pastor. Like I, I, I have no textbooks response to be like, Oh, okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> right? God still loves you. I guess yeah. I, I, you know, like I, I don't even know what to say. Um, so yep. that's, that was kind of surprising. That is. Well, speaking of surprising, what's something when you were traveling with the caravan that you learned that you didn't expect to learn? Oh man. Uh, you know, one of the people, actually one of the first persons I met on the, on that 18 wheeler the second day, um, she was the one that kind of wrapped her, arms around my backpack and kind of kept me safe she was kind of nervous for me because i was kind of toward the edge she didn't even know me and she was kind of nervous right mm. like if i bumped a certain way she'd kind of startle herself and she would grab me she was 15 years old oh wow okay she'd be in my church's youth group right. um 
she we just had a bake sale i was preaching on sunday we had a bake sale i was like she'd be out there selling brownies right <laughs> right you, you know i couldn't imagine that and she was traveling with some young adults that aged from her age 15 all the way up to maybe 26 28 years old mm -hmm. and so she she has a story of the there's another female she was traveling with uh she was 21 and she uh, has a baby, but left the baby in Honduras to try to figure out uh, a safer life. Mm. Um, hearing teenage boys and females, but I was talking mainly to men, hearing teenage boys talk about how they were raped by corrupt police. Oh, and wow. by, uh, so the horrific stories you heard were just, just jaw-dropping right. uh, and just tragic. And so... You know, I talk to, I have some interviews where they'll show me their stab wounds, gun, you know, gunshot wounds. Um, and they said, you know, if I stopped paying off the corrupt police, they would harass my family more. And so if, when, when you do run out of money and you do run out of a job and, and the money dries up because of the, the bad economy, then how are you going to pay off the the, the bad guys to, to protect your family. And so I talked to countless people that said, I couldn't pay off the bad guys anymore. So I, oh. I had to get out. Wow. And uh, we talked to a few people who the same situation and, and even talked to a man who's had his sons kidnapped and possibly murdered. He doesn't know where his sons are. Um, uh, his brother went with them on this journey and his brother was actually killed in Chiapas uh, in a freak automobile accident, like on the caravan, oh. like he got hit by a car. So you just hear how determined they are to get to a, a better place. Yeah. And I, and I continually hear that. And so you hear the phrase, they want a better life. You're right. Um, and they'll even say that in some kind of terminology, we hear that and say, Oh, you want the easy life. You want <laughs> our life. You want a better car. You want a better house. You want to, you know, <laughs> you just, but that's not what they're, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, I want a life. Yeah. I want a house. Yeah. I want an education. They're not, they're not just anything <laughs> that's better. Yeah, they're than not this. like, we have like a tiered system and they're not thinking it that way. No. They're, right. They'd be completely fine with the basic essentials, which yep. we wouldn't even accept here in America. It's like, so a better life to them is completely different than what our privileged mind interpreted exactly. it, it's at, it, yep. it as. So. What's the, you mentioned Honduras, what other um, ethnicity or countries were represented sure. in the caravan that you saw? By far, I spoke to Hondurans, but obviously there was a couple of people from Guatemala. There is another caravan group, mainly of people from El Salvador. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see that group, but um Honduras was the chunk of it, at least in my, in, in my experience, uh, which is interesting. And this is kind of, this was interesting because, you know, as a pastor, you'll find this fascinating is I kept asking my interpreter, my first 24 hours, I really want to ask their spiritual background mm -hmm. because I wanted to find people who were evangelized by American missionaries or mm -hmm. groups. <laughs> and, um, we started asking that and people would sometimes would say yes, you know, and I wasn't getting good responses. And then when I was on that truck, they said they're from these young adults, the 15 year old, the group of, of, of teenagers and young adults said we're from Chulateca, Honduras. And I was like, Whoa, 
that's where I went on my very first mission trip. And I went probably on like six or seven, I mean, even 10 trips throughout junior high, high school, early college with my church of Christ to this town. Um, We started going after hurricane Mitch and building homes and churches. uh, And then it kind of continues on. And I think the organization still exists today, but um, that's such was a formative trip of my life, you know, and I was thinking like all those little, I have these photos and I, and I posted them online of, you know, me holding a, these like five-year-old kids, you know, playing and the, you know, whatever we were doing. And, um, I was thinking they would be on this caravan, you yeah, know, maybe. they could be on this caravan. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I didn't meet them, but then I thought, well, no doubt these so many, and I asked him, have y'all been influenced by American pastors? And they said, yes. And then I, they, people then started asking me, when they really found out I was a real pastor, you know what they started asking me was, do you know, pastor Johnson? Do you know, pastor Steven? Oh, wow. And I'm, of course I, I don't, but the reason they're asking is they're like, well, if these guys came down and loved me and loved my family and loved our church or organization. We know what kind of life they have. Mm-hmm. They're safe people. They love me. And so yep. where am I going to go when now the place they live is extremely violent. Right. You would definitely go to your missionary friends or yeah. churches that, so the same people who evangelized and had them mainly convert from Catholicism. Yeah. Um, now most of the Protestant mainline people are kind of like, uh, we don't know if we want you. <laughs> right. Kind of uh. an odd irony in that stay down know? there we'll come help you there but do we yeah <laughs> oh, we man. don't know but we don't want you to come here yeah. oh wow that is interesting what an that is an interesting dynamic wow that's crazy and i don't know how deep i don't want i want i don't want to paint that too broadly no sure but, right um but i i think uh it's definitely an interesting discussion You're no so. kidding okay i just have a, a few more questions one of them is um so short of somebody going down there and walking with the caravan like you did what what is somebody what is something somebody can do to kind of educate themselves a little bit better about what so happened? you know i haven't been looking at you i'm so sorry i've been thinking no uh, worries I forget, I forget that we're on video <laughs> it's okay because we're not really doing it we're just this is just audio right that's right yep okay then i'm gonna put my phone down <laughs> yeah don't worry about it you're good <laughs> uh i think well, there's a couple of ways to get involved. Obviously, in the Methodist Church, there's there's JFON, there's mm-hmm. any denominational group, the Episcopals, the Catholics, Baptists, all have their versions of refugee services, right? Yep. yep. Um, lawyers, so they connect there. Uh, but then there's other things like the Interfaith Coalition in San Antonio has a network of groups that minister to people at various bus stations and airports of migrants that are kind of getting dispersed throughout America or United States of America. And so therefore you can connect with the interfaith welcome coalition. And there's ways you can just probably interact with migrants that happen to be coming to your hometown or through your hometown. Um, and so those are probably the best ways to get involved. Or if somebody's bold enough, you know, there are plenty of organizations. Uh, there's a group from New York that is going to be down uh, in Tijuana for the next few weeks or months. And they're going to seek for volunteers to come down there and help process people and help people walk across oh, the border awesome. so they feel safe. So 
depending on your level of involvement. But I think mainly people can get involved with their denominational organization that is attached to some type of migrant or refugee services. Very so, cool. Awesome. Good. So mainly a Methodist are watching this, it would be JFON or uh, various organizations like Excellent. that. Excellent. Okay, very cool. All right, so we, when we have a guest on the podcast, we close with the same five questions for everybody and they're just quick. You, okay. you, don't, have to, you don't have to think real deeply about them. So sure. the, the first thing is, what are you drinking? What's your drink uh, you, uh, right now? That I'm holding right now? You, it, it could be that or just what would you like if, if I like, I had to pick a drink right now I wanted, what would it be? What's well, your drink? Right now I'm drinking a chai. a chai. Sorry, I'm drinking a chai. I was just handed this. <laughs> Uh, but if it would be a beer, my favorite beer is a beer called the Yellow Rose. It's, mm. a, it's a beer in Texas. It's an IPA, but it doesn't really taste IPA-ish. And uh, it's a funny story. I was with our mayor, and we ordered it at the same time. And we both drank it, and we both said, that's really good. And uh, I started liking that beer. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. What are you reading? What is it that's uh, catching your fancy reading material-wise? Oh, you're not, this is the honest answer. I'm reading a book called Brain Lock and uh, it's about OCD behavior because I'm pretty sure I have that. Oh and, man. Uh, so, so there you go. That's a very honest answer. How, how, how are you managing OCD like stuff while you're walking in a caravan with people? So no, so it's not, it's not, it's not the OCD of like I'm combing carpet or I have to, uh, <laughs> you know, or I have to like, you know, uh, be clean. It's like uh, if I lose something, I get very possessive about finding it. Oh man! To the, okay. To the point, to the point of my friends want to kill me. So, <laughs> okay. Somebody that told me. Sense. Somebody told me to read this book called Brain Lock, where your brain, brain lock. gets locked into a pattern. So there you go. Now no one's gonna trust me. They're gonna think you have this crazy guy on. The, the radio. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Uh, in the same vein, what are you watching? Like, are you? Is there anything you're? Well, you have some time. You're binge watching real quick, or any movie that you really uh, are interested in, or anything like that. I, I yeah, you know, I, you, this is funny. I since college, I've not owned any type of cable TV. So, right. but now the dawn of internet TV, <laughs> I've now I watch basically all those shows. Um, so and anything I can find online. So. Um, I love John Oliver. I catch that yes. pretty regularly. Um, I that's probably my 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 go-to now. I used to be a huge Colbert fan. Oh yeah. Uh, I like if if there's one person I can meet right now, I would if it, like really like if they think I'm in this caravan if if Colbert talked to me about the caravan, I would just retire. Uh, <laughs> That'd so, be awesome. Uh, yeah, they. So, but now he's on his new show. It's it's good. I really like the new show. But yeah. I, you know, I was used to be really into his his character. Yeah, um, so good. So I, I watch that. And then the typical Netflix shows, mm -hmm. Amazon shows. You know, from Mrs. Maisel to to House of Cards. Yeah, so. nice. Okay. Yeah, similar. What are you listening to? So it can be a podcast you want to recommend, or an album you want to plug, or anything like that. No, I'm a huge I'm a huge dork. I, I, the only thing in my car right now, I'm looking at it. It's 89.1. It's, it's NPR. So yep, I listen to NPR. I, I'm not, a, I love music. I go to co concerts with my friends and they usually tell me what we're, we're going to see. Cause I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I usually like the music, uh, but 
but you know it's more of a social thing really then yeah there's a few guys i love like i love some texas musicians from robert earl king to yes those those guys i like i if i had to like choose my own I used to love Prairie Home Companion. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so I, you know, I'm kind of a, a dork when it comes to that. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. And the last one, if I came down there and visited you, where would you take me to dinner? Where would I take you to dinner? I would, I would take you to dinner to probably a real hole-in-the-wall Tex-Mex place. Yes. Or a really nice restaurant, like in the, I'm like one of the two, like I'll go really, really, really uh, hole in the wall. Uh, Or so there's a place called Maria's Cafe that I would take people to, or um, there's other places that have now closed down, but I uh, uh, probably a real, a real cool hole in the wall. Tex-Mex restaurant. Beautiful. All right. So Gavin, thank you so much for your time, my my friend. And uh, let us, let us know if we want to continue to follow your journey or what you might do next. Well, I know last, you're not entirely the sure. I, the last thing I would like to say, because this yes. is like kind of the Christian mission behind it. You know, this, yeah. this still has a Christian mission. There, I guess there's other agendas behind it as well. But uh, really, the thing we have to be reminded is the, the Christian response to immigrants or refugees, it, it doesn't change depending on what country you live in. So there's not a different Christian response if you're in Mexico or Canada or America or Japan or Germany. It, it, it's the same, but people right. feel like they can have different immigration policies <laughs> based on politics. And it's like, well, not really. Nope. I mean, you can have maybe some policy disagreements, but your main viewpoint is pretty clear and so i think if christians can unite behind that whether that's the moderate church conservative church liberal church look what happened when this the children you know the child separation thing happened over the summer the liberal church jumped on board first and then of course everybody's like of course they did right (laughs) and then and then uh and then not until like the southern baptist started writing letters to trump yeah uh, did did all of a sudden it was like uh uh-oh everybody's on agreement on this (laughs) So then it stops. So then it kind of tells you what other issues can we unite about? Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't have to do everything, but just if it comes to immigration or homeless or poverty or maybe some issues we're not even discussing uh, that, wow, you know, the church really does have a united voice on this. Um, we can really make some good, you know, forward movement. I, yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest encouragement of all of this and how we need to remind ourselves is, as pastors and the people we talk to is to say, you know, they're really, this isn't up for discussion. Um, And I think therefore, I think people start to get encouraged by that. Uh, One of the very first pastors in San Antonio that really cared about immigration. He said, he goes to a really progressive church, but he's like, we're not going to win if we don't have evangelical churches join us because, and then they started joining on board. And then all of a sudden it was a game changer in San Antonio. So Incredible. I think that's kind of like maybe my 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 overall hope is people can hear this story and say, okay, I I, I find compassion there, I find yeah. empathy there, and uh, regardless of your political leanings, so yeah, man, that is pretty refreshing to hear because you know in the, in our day and age right now, there's just so much 
like, um, I don't know, you know, fake news and the truth is so flexible and moldable. And here's an absolute that we should be able to reunite around. That's refreshing to hear. Here's an absolute that is should not be or discussion. And the the phrase like, the phrase, I've heard this a lot, like, oh, you know, as Christians, we have to obey the law of the land too, right? Mm -hmm. Like they they hide behind that. And I'm like, I think you're misunderstanding the the heart of that of that yep. passage. Yep. Uh, I don't think it applies. In in nor would some people apply that to other social topics. Right. So it's like like when it comes to like abortion or other sensitive issues. I know my conservative friends wouldn't hide behind that and just they'd be right. like, "Well, it's the law." Yeah, the law is this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I've never seen them be convinced by that. So why try to apply that card now? Is oh, that's a odd. good point. That's a it's good point. odd maneuver. Yeah. yeah. Somebody asked me that on, an, on another radio sh- or podcast. And I said, well, would, would my pro-life friends apply that card? And they were like, Ooh, probably <laughs> not. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you got to, we're all about picking and choosing, which is kind of the detriment of uh, our faith influence because kind of people see that from afar and be like, yeah, that sounds like a bunch of, you know, (laughs) malarkey because you're just picking and choosing what cards you play. And I think really that's why I'm like, it's not really up for debate. Yep. There's no cards to play. I love it. That's, that's my, my soapbox. I love it. That's a good one to be on. Well, thank you, so Gavin. Where are, where are you oh, a yeah, pastor at? So I'm a, I am the pastor of a United Methodist Church in Clarkston, Washington. Wow, in Washington. Yeah, Washington All right, well, we'll connect sometime somehow. I would love to. Yeah, we actually have some mutual friends, I noticed. So on who, Facebook. Who would that be? That would be, hang on, let me double check. I got to remember who it was. It's got to be Sarah Heath. It is... Mike Clausen, mm-hmm. all superset, Texas. yes, yeah. all superset, and Linda Stanley. Okay, that's that's probably some Methodist connections, but um, yes, yep. But uh, Paul, uh, um, who did you say the first one? Mike Clausen. Mike, yeah, Mike yep. is uh, does the does some. He does kind of a pub theology in Austin. Yeah, that's right. He does. Yeah, we do it a little differently. We're a more interfaith group that brings that's in cool. community leaders. Oh, I love um, it. If people show up with their Bible, they'll be very disappointed. So. <laughs> awesome. Hey, that's needed, man. Well, I appreciate it, right. Gavin. Thank you. And how can people keep up to date on your story? Yeah, you can follow me on Facebook, which is like like backslash Gavin Rogers or Twitter at Gavin Rogers, just G-A-V-I-N-R-O-G-E-R-S. That's awesome. probably the best way to quickly keep in touch. Perfect. I love to get some more of your updates, man. I appreciate it. All right. So nice to meet you. All right. Thank you, Gavin. Bye-bye. Wow, that was a great interview. Yeah, I, I'm, first of all, I'm really glad he took the time to share that with me. Wonderful stuff. And I thought I'd tack on just a little bit of a update too. So he actually, he mentions it in an interview that he was going back down. He has gone back down. In fact, he spent Thanksgiving with his friends that he met on that journey and uh, was able to actually have a little bit of a Thanksgiving meal with these folks who were yeah. adjourning, so... Yeah. Is, is he blogging, Instagramming? Yes, uh, he's posting videos, uh, some Facebook Live, and um, and yes, updates, and I think Instagram too, but I'll double check that. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, need, include, we'll need to we'll get include, some of that. Yeah, we'll include all those links and things. So, yep. So it's pretty cool. cool. You can you can t- continue to kind of follow his interactions because what 
because he actually, because of this, he's actually, and he mentions this a little bit, but the UMC, the United Methodist Church, he's a member of the, he's an associate pastor at a UMC. Um, they are working with him. What can we do for when they get here or what can we do while they're on their way here? What are some things? And so he's continuing to develop that type of stuff. That's great. I, the, one, of the, one of the churches that I'm working with right now, uh, even though it's, you know, the timing is going to be different, but the previous pastor back in the oh, early 2000s to mid 2000s, he now lives down on the border uh, in uh, Douglas, Arizona. Ooh. And he's working with uh, Mennonite Central Committee, working with border issues, immigration issues, uh, helping develop uh, some resources to meet the needs of those who come across, to, uh, including legal services. Yep. yep. And Very the uh, youth group at the church that I'm working at, they're raising money so that that's where they're going to go for their summer. Awesome. I love it. That's cool. Hang out with the previous pastor and learn about those those, those issues and help with the resourcing. That's very cool. I like it. I like it. Speaking of resourcing. Yeah. What do we have to offer on our end for the week of joy? So last week we talked about uh, three songs, two movies. And I think that at that point it made it sound like we don't read. So, we didn't talk about any uh, yeah. written resources, did we? But one, one, of, the, one of the resources that I um, was fascinated by, I, I had heard about it and decided to do a little bit more exploration. In fact, it might be fun to catch up with some of these folks and do an interview. Ooh. But um, at the University of Arizona, yes, which I don't know if you've ever been to Tucson. Uh, no, I've not. It's, not it's, it's not my favorite place because they don't have water. Oh, jeez. Um, you mean because like uh, scarcity reasons or what? It's because it's in the middle of the desert and there's no right. major rivers running to it. Okay. And it, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know the history of it. I think somebody broke down and just kind of, well, we'll just, we'll just stop here. Um, <laughs> this, this is the place. This is it. So, but, um, but the university of Arizona, uh, you know, a really great school. If you like that kind of thing, I, I grew up in Tempe near Arizona state university. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I have my prejudices. But in their in their architectural program, their community planning uh, 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 studies, they have an institute for peace and well being. That, that is amazing. Yeah, it's just really a cool element. And and what they do in that is they try to look at the issues of you know, you know the idea of place, not just the structure of a building, but the communities we create. Yes. You know, how does yes. that? Uh, create some kind of lasting elements of balance, well-being, and in this case, specifically, happiness. So they're, they're, they actually study and try to measure elements of happiness using both quantitative and qualitative measures. Sure. And to read some of their, their materials, you begin to realize that there are ways to study happiness, um, not just based on one's perception of uh, do, they, do they feel happy, but what, what happens in communities and what happens mm-hmm. to individuals, lifespans, things like that. I love it. And uh, I thought that's a really great area. And so a couple of the articles that we'll post uh, on there is one I'll have, I'll post a link to the, uh, to the Institute itself, but they have an, uh, an article called the pursuit of happiness, well-being mm-hmm. and the science of smiles. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, just diving into this could give anybody, you know, who wants to learn a little bit more about joy, an understanding that there's really some, there's some depth behind joy. It's not yeah. just uh, ephemeral. Yeah, I like it. Is there, uh, okay, so when you, 
you talk about, I'm just intrigued with the idea of like architectural planning yeah. for yeah. the so, stuff. Yeah. So it goes really beyond the, the, org, the, the way the building is built, but more the communities, yeah. the communities we create, the city plans yeah. we create. You know, uh, one, one book that I really, really enjoyed years ago was uh, This Place on Earth, which is about the yes. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And uh, we should and, interview that guy. Uh, uh, Alan uh, During. During. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when he comes back and finds that Seattle has changed in the two decades he's been in Washington, he also takes time to look at the Pacific Northwest, which he defines Cascadia as all those places the salmon used to roam. That's right. And he he looks at some of the places and understand it makes makes some um, uh, proposals about how city planning could be a key feature mm. and the intentions of cities. So right. he said Vancouver and Portland both created roads so narrow people wouldn't want to drive. Yeah, right. In, in the inner city, they should they should ride a bike, they should walk or use public transportation. Yep. When you do that, you're actually forcing people to interact with each other at a different level rather than isolated behind windows and metal. Yep, locked in, tucked in. Yep. And, and we tend to think of that as being efficient and comfortable, and I don't know if I want to be with all those people. i got to wait on somebody else's schedule if they get a bus, et cetera. But when people engage with others, they tend to be happier. Yeah. And so that's where you know it's more than architecture, but it moves into city planning. Mm, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing to to jump into and to to look at more fully. Mm. And I could see how that might, you know, I see the connection not just to peace and happiness and health. I see the connection to empathy. Right there, right? Because you're now not forced. Well, I, that's the word you well, use. You forced. Are. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, you are. You, you got to interact with people. Interact, but now you're learning their stories. Now, like you're probably a lot more calm, I would hope, towards people if uh, you kind of start to understand their stories and know where they're coming from. And, you know, it, and if I'm in a car, right, if I'm in a car, uh, every story is unattached to mine. So all I think about is myself. And, and if you're in a car by yourself, mm-hmm. Even if people can see through your windows, you feel like you're by yourself. Yeah, right. So people take on these behaviors that they wouldn't do in public. Right. You know, they sing animatedly, they pick their nose, you know, (laughs) whatever. But they wouldn't do that if they're on a bus. That's true. Or maybe they would. That leads leads to a whole other topic. There was a great book written uh, back in the early 90s called uh, Civility by Stephen Mm. Carter. who's a professor of law at, uh, I think he's at Yale. Yes. Uh, But... In the book Civility, he talks about how important it is for us to be in these enclosed spaces with other people. Yeah. Because when we're in those enclosed spaces, we develop uh, a kind of etiquette. Yeah. And he goes back to say that also developed when the Transcontinental, Transcontinental Railway was created. And people had to get an enclosed space to go from New York to San Francisco and spend maybe 10 days or two weeks living together. Mm. And so people had to make these kind of contracts about their behavior and what they yep. would and wouldn't do. So yeah, I think I think the idea of creating a sense of place is going to look at all these potential different interactions, and when they flow and when they function well, and people can together get the resources they need, definitely that's going to increase a right. sense of well-being and joy. I love it. I love it. Okay, yeah. now now okay now I have a book to share. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now this book I learned about this book. Actually, I learned about uh, the relationship behind the book through listening to it was either a podcast or maybe it was even a sermon by rob bell 
and he was recounting his time at, um, here's a connection to one of our past and hopefully future guests, Tom Ward. He was at the um, forum that's like the gathering of world religions. What, 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 what was it called? I can't remember the, <laughs> the, uh, it was like a, it's, it's the, the, the world gathering of world religions or something the, like that. The Emporium of world religions. The Emporium. Like yeah. <laughs> it's something the but anyway so the it happens of mystics and prophets yeah, right. um, it's a deal that happens like every four years and like every time it happens like these big i mean you know folks big names well it was in salt lake city like the last time it's like yeah. you couldn't drive down there for five hours right? well uh, this one that rob bell was in was actually in seattle right and so it was like the dalai lama was there rob bell was there um <clears throat> Desmond, Archbishop Desmond Tutu was there. And so that was what he talked about was this was the first time these two were going to meet each other. Right. Um, and they came on stage and he talked about, and this was back in, I want to say it was like 2008 or maybe even, let's see. So if it's 2018, 4, 14, 10, so it could have been 2006. But anyway, so they come on stage to greet, to see each other. This is the first time they're seeing, they didn't even eat beforehand when they're coming on together and he said that it was like watching when they were with each other it was like watching two children interacting with each other because they were like sitting like they were supposed to be it was like a panel type discussion and everyone was supposed to be fielding questions and these two were over there giggling and laughing <laughs> with each other and he's like it was just like pure joy as how, with the experience and so that relationship they've grown through it and uh, have done things like they celebrate their birthdays together and things like that. Wow. And anyway, in their conversation, they talk a lot about joy, joy through their times that they've lived through, you know, so Desmond Tutu, apartheid. And of course, right. the Dalai Lama, he's still um, exile, exile yeah. in exile, right? Yeah. And the stuff that they've witnessed and lived through. And just when you read their stories, you're like, these two have probably got to be bitter folks. But no, they're like children you know yep, with each yep. other and so they're sharing their wisdom about joy in this book and it's called dun, 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 the book of book joy of joy lasting yep. happiness in a changing world so even though we're you and i are on video looking at each other nobody else can see this see this yeah uh yes what is that that is the gift that the dalai lama gave me oh oh when he came to sun valley yeah yeah so we met and uh he does exude something that is uh, transcendent. Otherworldly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of amazing. Yeah. So these two, and I guess they both kind of have that sense of feeling about themselves. And then just yeah. when they connect, it's just like pure joy. That so. is cool. Yeah. So they write about it and, it, and it's kind of interesting in its structure. It's written, you know, like in thirds. So one third is kind of like, um, uh, Bishop Tutu describing his journey and the suffering he's witnessed and experienced in the stories and then Dalai Lama and his and then together their collected wisdom about joy throughout that throughout those moments and yeah, yeah. so pretty powerful resource I think that's cool yeah that's definitely a book to read mm -hmm. if, if you don't feel like taking time to read read a book um, one of the things that I found surprising there were a number of articles but I only pulled up two to think about his resources but uh, have you ever thought about what kind of happiness do people value the most? I have not. I mean, 
how many different kinds of happinesses can you think of? There's, there's happiness, and then there's happiness. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I don't know. Happy. I don't know. I mean, so yeah, this is an interesting article that you shared. I, re- I browsed over it real yeah. quick before we and got so, on. So the main point is there's the happiness in the moment. Yes. And there's the happiness that comes after upon reflection of previous mm. moments. And mm. so when you're talking about apartheid and you're talking about Tibetan exile and you're talking about all these, these struggles, uh, often there's a form of happiness that comes upon reflection looking back. That right. in the time, it's not the moment of happiness. But later on, it becomes a real form of happiness. Yeah, right. But sometimes we can choose to enter into times of challenge or suffering on purpose yeah. with hope of some f- uh, future reward. Right. And then we can look back and go, oh, that's pretty good. Or we can just say, I just want to be happy right now. I'd rather eat, take that. <laughs> eat chips and watch football. <laughs> right. um, that, that's where I want to be. And then sometimes that happiness, though it feels good at the moment, is definitely not remembered five years from now. Like, gosh, remember when I had that bag of chips? That was the most awesome bag of chips. <laughs> you don't quite. It doesn't. It doesn't quite register anymore. It, it doesn't. I think I hear happiness in the background. Yeah, those are my daughters having a good time and uh, a friend kind That's of playing cool. at a dollhouse. Yep, they're having a good That's time. Cool. Um, one thing I found interesting in that in that article that you shared was, you know, they framed it like situations like where they were raised and uh, so western they would notice with western people they were much more like i want happiness now at a certain right. in a certain frame of mind but when they were in another frame of mind it became no i think i'd rather have happiness in reflection happiness deferred deferred but yeah. when he asked when the researchers asked eastern people with a kind of an eastern mindset it was like the identical percentage answered happiness in them now because for them their mindset is always uh, kind of is built in this idea of uh enjoying the moment for what it is right now so right, right, don't worry yeah. about tomorrow yeah so there's there's with those different types of happinesses there's different ways that you can say one is good for this moment one might be good for another it's mm-hmm. kind of like choose your happiness yeah uh, wisely because yeah. if 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 right now is just a, a a fertile moment filled with all possibility, even if you're struggling, be happy with that. <laughs> That's right. Be happy. Wow, it's yeah. good. Okay. What else we got? Well, some of the others were, um, I found a couple of articles on, you know, from Psychology Today, Power mm. of Joy and yes. Joy versus Happiness. Uh, mm-hmm. Back to that. Joy versus Happiness article picks up the traditional thing that joy is something deeper and more lasting than yep. happiness. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just semantics, but it's, it's there. <laughs> you're right. But I think I think it uh, you know all these really can help shape a broader understanding of what joy is. I mean, yeah. especially this when you throw in the stuff from you the the U of A, you end up getting this idea that that happiness isn't just an emotion. You're right. It's actually a way that we create worldviews. We That's structure right. our reality and our experiences. Uh, right. We choose what to pay attention to, what not to pay attention to, and we even live in spaces that can make a difference for happiness. That's right. Uh, a friend of mine said the major theological issues facing the church today and you know think oh what is it like war and peace or racism and no he says it's it's um, public transportation zoning and uh something else like that i forgot what it was but you know, <laughs> but it was these, these, these i think it was access to education yeah right but i was gonna say education easily you know missed because we're trying to tackle these big issues but some of these issues are going to be solved 
when we deal with the places we live. That's right. When you plan so, for those things. That's right. Yeah, when, yeah. You, you focus on the building blocks of those things. In fact, there's a guy who I've lost track of uh, in Portland who writes about the theology of planning and zoning. Mm, oh, awesome. And uh, kind of would catch up with him. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. man, that'd be really cool. Okay. Uh, okay. Do we want to talk about a couple movies or do we want to go to music? What do you want to do? Uh, you know, uh, the music, music pieces are long. I don't know. Do you want to just play little snippets of some of them? Sure, or? sure, sure, sure. So okay. I, did, did you have some music? Because I know I had some nope. thought of some. So which, you pick out a, a couple of these that you want to well, focus on. Two of them, two, only two of the ones that I've chosen are, um, oh no, I've got three down there. I was going to say two that I've chosen are specifically oriented to the season. Right. And that's uh, Sufjan Stevens. But it, right. one of the things we didn't talk about, we mentioned last time, was if anybody's doing a blue Christmas. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing a blue Christmas... Sufjan Stevens is the one to go with. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, he has this one song called Did I Make You Cry at Christmas? Uh, and another mm-hmm. one, Only at Christmas Time. You pull up either one of those and you'll kind of get this deep, reflective uh, side where it's just kind of like in the midst of suffering, finding joy. Oh, man. Okay. Let me pull up. Uh, we'll do Did I Make You Cry at Christmas? Let me cue that up and then turn on the old uh, this thing. Do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play it. Here we go. All right. Can you, can you, do you see my screen here? I see your screen. <laughs> okay. This is so professional. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. This is Did I Make You Cry on Christmas Day? In parentheses, Well, You Deserved It by Sufjan <laughs> <laughs> Stevens. <laughs> Okay. 
So in that song, uh, Sufjan Stevens says it's from the perspective of somebody who is with somebody with seasonal depression. Yeah. And just what happens in those relationships. So yeah, definitely um, Blue Christmas. (laughs) I see. Yeah, I definitely see. I sense a spirit of almost like, uh, well, I've just, I'm never, I don't live up to this person's expectations. Or or the person is going through such a time that, um, yeah, I don't even understand. And the little things that I do wrong, I don't understand why they affect them so. Mm. Oh boy. Okay. And I I, I know those around me go through that because of me and my seasonal depression. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, do you struggle with that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you? What are some? What are some things you do when you? Well, sense last, it coming on? last year for Christmas, I got two gifts that have been very, very helpful, especially for the seasonal affective depressive mm-hmm. disorder. Um, my daughter got me a. Uh, it's about a ten-inch by eight-inch rock block of rock salt. Yeah. Okay. With a little heat light bulb inside. Yeah, a light in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And. And the idea is that somehow that's releasing, releasing certain ions into the air with the heat mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. actually help. Yep. And, and to me, some of that stuff is a bit woo-woo, but it's also mind over matter. If it helps, it helps. And I think it does. Pragmatic, being yep. a pragmatic person, yep. And then the other one is my, my wife got me a sad lag. Oh, yeah, sure, yep. And so every morning when I get up, uh, you know, especially on these dark days, uh, I, mm-hmm. first, first thing I do in the morning is I always go and do my meditation and stuff like that and Bible reading. And so I've got that lamp on shining in my face for yep. about 20 minutes. Yep. And so I do that every day. And it's a, like a UV light or something? Is that well, what it is? Well, it's not exactly UV. It's, I'm not sure what it is. It's just this. It's, <laughs> it, I, I was looking at the box. Anyway, cause I, cause <laughs> I keep the box because I take it with me when I travel, too. Right. Good plan. Yep. And, good plan. Those, those two things help. Lots of exercise and not eating too much fatty, carbohydrate-rich yes. food. So <laughs> Good plan. And, okay, so now you've mentioned in two episodes Blue Christmas. Yeah. Uh, maybe, and I think it's appropriate to talk about it on a week of joy, right? Because some of us don't yeah. find joy in the middle of Advent and, and Christmas. And, time. in fact, I'm not even sure the date of uh, third Sunday of Advent, uh, right. I believe. I think it's the sixteenth. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so the um, Blue Christmas comes on the. Um, this looks like it'll be on Friday, the twenty-first, I believe. Yep. December, and so it's it's taking time to recognize the shortest day, the longest night. Yep. And and it's a really. Uh, an opportunity to take some time to, to grieve, yep. uh, to share uh, some of the things over the past year that didn't go the way um, you know we had had anticipated. Uh, it's it's kind of as in that song by um, Reliant K about Christmas that we were listening to. Well, when you and I got on, mm-hmm. and there's a line in there about how can I be where I am now when I said last New Year. I was going to be in a different place. Right. And it's, I think it's a time to look at some of the regrets, the things that uh, weigh us down and to offer those up and lament. Oh, that's good. And, and, and use that darkest night, uh, that longest night um, to kind of lay those things aside. Yeah. Let's hear that one. Which if one? The song by Relaine K. Oh yeah. Um, 
I celebrate the day. There okay. it is. I celebrate the day. Let's pull that up and hear that one. Let's make sure I don't get a blast of an advertisement first. It could always happen. And here we go. Reliant K, I celebrate the day from their album, Let It Snow Baby, Let It Rain Dear. Yep. <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas albums ever. This Christmas wish is missed The point I could convey If only I could find the words to say To let you know how much you've touched my life Because here is where you're finding me In the exact same place as New Year's Eve From a lack of my persistency We're less than half as close as I wanna be In the first time that you opened your eyes Did you realize that you would be my savior In the first breath that left your lips Did you know that it would change this world forever And the first time that you opened your eyes Did you realize that you would be my savior In the first breath that left your lips yeah good one i've always liked that one yeah that's one of those like um i always try to also concoct a you know like everyone has their run you know their traditional christmas carols and happy you know good songs right. i always try to find my like um deeper uh, more meaningful songs to I'm, make a sucker, I'm a sucker for those i mean a good christmas album is going to make you weep, weep and make yes. you giggle that's right yep <laughs> yep 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 so, so yeah no so my all-time favorite is uh being crosby white christmas just because uh, i have so much associated with uh yeah. you know memory family memories and stuff yeah but i also yeah. love to go find like that flaming um lip song what's that one oh. uh christmas song or like dave matthews he has kind of a, it's called the christmas song but it's like a much more you know like it's more gritty you know kind of trying to think of the name of the flaming lips song but yeah uh yeah what uh, is it um a change at christmas okay i love that one a change at christmas where it's like hey this uh what if i you know at this christmas time there's a true change you know what if like things really changed this Christmas, like yeah. for, for like more peace and for real. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I love that. Yeah. One. So what, what, of, um, one of my favorite songs, the ones that make me laugh are like, um, I think it's, I think it's Reliant K, uh, guess who's coming. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Is it? I think it is. Yeah. But anyway, at the end, there's a little part in there that says, um, Santa Claus is coming to town. And something about global warming, and only is he mad. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That's so, good. You know, okay. The other, the other, the other band that has nothing to do with Christmas, but I just like their music. I thought, well, it's Joy, so I had to look up Joy uh, Formidable. Joy Formidable, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you 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 pointed out too to me. Which... Yeah, I like I like the latter is ours, just because it's this hopeful, bouncy song, but it's got its long, really good intro. 
Ooh, okay, let's hear uh, it. If somebody needs music for a podcast, it'd be good intro music. <gasps> good intro music. <laughs> you could get that permission. That's right. If you uh, contacted all there. Okay, let's listen to it. Here we go. This is where everybody turns out right in the end. Can you yeah. play a part? Good line. Yeah, there's good stuff in there. Love it. Love it. it. It's a, yeah, part of that is I, you know, as gosh, as a pastor, preacher, church guy, I tend to right. think of resources that are going to like fill out the text. And so I go to the Greek and I look at church history and I read, you know, what's going on in ancient Israel. Hmm. I also like, <laughs> I need to dig into some of this, even if I'm not going to quote it, use it, whatever, I need to fill out you know, human yeah. experience a bit. Sometimes I find myself, I'm just a bit shallow at that. <laughs> mm, that's good. No, I love that. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, do, so you want to talk about a movie or two or what do you think? 
sure. <laughs> Excuse okay. me, I had to cough there. Ah. Okay, so I'll offer, uh, I'm going to say a point to Babette's Feast. I think that's the one I want to talk about. So Babette's Feast is a, um, it's based on a book, if I'm not, not mistaken. Is that right? Is there was a, a book written called Babette's Feast. And the idea is that this uh, religious community takes in a French refugee from, uh, she's comes from a war, from the Franco-Prussian War. And she ends up being a, uh, what would it be like a, not a handmaiden, but anyway, maybe like a servant to these daughters who are unmarried. Um, but they are the daughters of a pastor who was like the revered, held up authority figure in the community is a very was the pastor's name babette that's an odd name for a pastor <laughs> no no that's the servant's name is babette oh wait you mean the pastor didn't put on the feast no nope in fact uh, the pastor's uh, memory in fact the pastor's way of approaching life was less than joyful and wait, that was the religious elite are getting in the way of the good news yes yes they get in the way of the good news you because, you know, You've got to be stern and you've got to be, you know, serious. Yeah. But Babette pours her resources. Well, I don't want to give away the whole movie, but. Uh, but it's a great movie. It's, it's great. Yeah. Great also so important about community. Yes. Community, joy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that ties in nicely with some of the resources we shared earlier. But yeah, basically just that she, her gift to the community is uh, joy and celebration. And, and, and it's essentially like all she has, she pours into this. Yeah thing it's, it's amazing it's a great movie you know, the other movie you put up was inside out oh, yes. that, was a, that was a great one about joy yeah because that one's like um you know it deals with for, for start for, to begin with like the psychology behind inside out the movie they went really i mean it's a kid's movie so they don't go super there's a lot more you could dissect and talk about but boy they went super deep they did it consulted some serious folks about you know yeah. approaching the inner workings as especially as we're growing up and how we're learning to navigate our emotions and joy and fear and anger and how we can you know we have these moments in our life where we can tend to go out of balance on one of those emotions, joy, you know, like you can be like, well, I've got to be super happy. I'm supposed to be that person for my parents in the movie. You know, I'm supposed right. to be the one that brings happiness and, and I'm not though. How does that happen when right now I'm not happy? Right. And right. she wrestles with that's good. It's really it, good. It is a fun story. And yeah. you know, that got me thinking about, you know, animated stories. And one mm -hmm. of mine, you know, that, that I thought of was the, the story up. Yes. Good one. Which is, you know, it's a, it's a sad story of loss, yes. yep. but it's an amazing, you know, sense of relationship and community all over again. And yep. so, yep. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if thematically more stories about joy are about building community. Yeah. Isn't you that, know, whether, isn't whether that it's the Dalai Lama and yeah. Bishop Tutu, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's about coming together with people. It it's, not, it's not an isolated experience. Nope. I love it. So. I love it. Good. Oh, man. So it's good stuff, man. What a great week. Gee, now, is there, we, we covered a lot of ground. We did. Man. We did. And an interview to boot. What an episode. Wow. How did we do all that? <laughs> We're incredible. We are. <laughs> Profound things will happen. Wow. Almost by, <laughs> almost by accident. I hope we, we I hope we recorded it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even. All right.
Okay, so, well. So we're hey. keeping this thing rolling. Let's keeping it going. Uh, so so we'll that be... was Advent Week 3 talking about joy. Next one is about? Hope. No. No, love, hope is the first love, one. Love, love, love. Oh, good one. You know who we should interview? Doctor, the doctor of love. <laughs> the outlaw theologian of love. Yeah. Yeah, we ought Ooh. to get in touch with him. I wonder if we can. Okay, no promises. We better not say anything on this episode that we promise it will happen. <laughs> I don't know if we just leave it at the outlaw theologian of love, nobody's going to know who it is. <laughs> who is that? Yeah. Who are they talking about? And we yeah. could just throw anybody in. <laughs> That's Sounds awesome. good. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Craig, until next awesome. time. A good one. Right. Another good one in the books. Talk to you later in the week. All right. Well, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>